Happy Saturday. This is Andrew, and you're listening to Apostate JW. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us again on Apostate JW. I wanted to take a minute to just kind of say I'm sorry to everybody who is used to me regularly putting out episodes. Um, this year has actually been a rough year. Um, it's the loss of my dad. We've lost a couple of really close family members. And so it's kind of made it a little difficult mental health and everything trying to come back into sitting down every week to record a, an episode. And I just need to take some time to reflect back on my own purpose and meaning and everything. And at the same time, too, I also have uh, started a new job. It's taken a little bit of time away from this, but I will try as much as I can to get back engaged with the podcast and to keep relaying these new episodes to you every week or as much as I can, at least. Um, thank you. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In August, I had a memorable visit to my mother's house. It held special significance as it marked the anniversary of her first date with my dad. To honor the tradition my dad had upheld, I had picked up some lovely flowers and penned a heartfelt card. This was something my father always did, even on days when he couldn't take time off for anniversaries. I explained to my mom that I wanted to continue this tradition in his memory, and she warmly agreed. We had a wonderful conversation that day. As I was about to leave, the topic of religion unexpectedly came up. I hesitated to delve into the sensitive subject, as my primary goal was to provide comfort and support for my mom, who was still mourning my dad's passing. She inquired if we could discuss my religious beliefs, and reluctantly, I agreed. During our conversation, I disclosed that I was a member of a Protestant church, but chose not to specify which one. I also revealed that I had no intention of returning to being a Jehovah's Witness for various personal reasons. My mom was generally curious about these reasons. I kept my responses brief, aware of the common tendency among witnesses to challenge the, what they consider to be false teachings. She attempted to persuade me to reconsider my stance, suggesting that if my current faith was so easy that I should examine why that might be. Eventually, I reached a point where I had to firmly express that if I were to rejoin the Jehovah's Witnesses, it would be on my own terms and in my own time. Her response was that she wouldn't want to know if I did. I took the opportunity to reassure her that I still held some core beliefs that aligned with what I had grown up believing. I mentioned my faith in the possibility of reuniting with my dad in the afterlife and the hope that more people might survive Armageddon than she thought. However, due to her need to protect her emotions, she explained that her interactions would have to be very limited. I assured her that, just as I hadn't imposed my beliefs on her that evening, I would never attempt to make her feel uncomfortable or force my views upon her. I promised that our discussions about religion would be infrequent. Nonetheless, my mother continued to emphasize the need to safeguard her heart. This leads us to today's topic. What does it truly mean to safeguard your heart? Jehovah's Witnesses believe in safeguarding themselves from unbelieving individuals for several reasons, which are rooted in their religious beliefs and practices. It is important to note that the beliefs and practices of Jehovah's Witnesses are specific to their faith and may not be universally applicable to all religious groups. Here are some reasons why Jehovah's Witnesses feel the need to safeguard themselves from unbelievers. Religious Purity Jehovah's Witnesses are committed to maintaining spiritual purity and living in accordance with their interpretation of biblical teachings. 
They believe that interactions with non-believers may lead to compromising their faith or adopting beliefs and practices that are contrary to their religious convictions. Avoiding negative influences. Jehovah's Witnesses are encouraged to limit their association with individuals who do not share their beliefs to avoid being negatively influenced by worldly attitudes, behaviors, or values that are perceived as contrary to their faith. Preserving moral standards. Jehovah's Witnesses have a strict code of moral conduct, including rules against certain activities such as celebrating holidays and birthdays, participating in the military, or accepting blood transfusions. Interacting with unbelievers who engage in these activities may put pressure on Jehovah's Witnesses to compromise their beliefs. Protecting their faith. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that their faith is the only true path to salvation. They may see interactions with unbelievers as potentially jeopardizing their salvation by introducing doubt or conflicting beliefs, proselytizing. Jehovah's Witnesses are known for their active door-to-door -door evangelism. By limiting their interactions with non-believers, they can maintain a stronger focus on spreading their own faith and beliefs. They also use scripture to justify these beliefs and understandings. Here are a few that are often quoted. 2 Corinthians 6, 14-15 Do not become unevenly yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship do righteousness and lawlessness have? Or what sharing light have with darkness? Further, what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer share in common with an unbeliever? This passage is often used to emphasize the importance of not forming close relationships with unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Do not be misled. Bad associations spoil useful habits. This verse is frequently cited to underscore the idea that associating with non-believers can have a negative influence on one's behavior and faith. It is usually used to teach the youth to not associate with unbelievers. 2 John 1, 10-11 If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your homes or say a greeting to him, for the one who says a greeting to him is a sharer in his wicked works. This passage is used to justify limited interaction with those who do not share the same religious beliefs. Ephesians 5.11 And quit sharing in the unfruitful works that belong to the darkness. Rather, expose them for what they are. Job's Witnesses may use this verse to argue that they should avoid participating in activities or behaviors associated with unbelievers. These practices are rooted in their specific religious doctrines and teachings, and while they may appear insular to outsiders, they are deeply integral to the faith and commitment of Jehovah's Witnesses. It is important to note that individual adherence to these principles can vary, and not all Jehovah's Witnesses approach interactions with unbelievers in the same way. These practices are underpinned by their interpretation of various Bible passages, which they believe support their approach to safeguarding their heart. Can Christians have an association with each other, even though we may be from different denominations? True Christian association is a term often used by various Christian denominations, including Jehovah's Witnesses, to describe the concept of associating or forming relationships with fellow believers who share their faith and beliefs. The specific meaning and practices associated with true Christian association can vary among different Christian groups. But some common elements include shared beliefs. True Christian association 
typically involves building relationships with individuals who share the same fundamental Christian beliefs and doctrinal interpretations. This shared foundation can create a sense of unity and common purpose among believers. Worship and fellowship. It often includes attending and participating in the same religious services, such as church services, Bible studies, prayer meetings, and other gatherings where believers come together to worship, pray, and study scripture. Moral and ethical standards. True Christian association may also involve adhering to a common set of moral and ethical standards based on teachings of Christianity. Believers support one another in living a life consistent with their faith. Mutual support. Christians in true association often provide emotional, spiritual, and practical support to one another. This support can include assistance during times of need, offering guidance, and encouraging each other in their faith journey. Avoidance of worldly influences. In some Christian denominations, true Christian association may include limiting or avoiding close associations with non-believers to prevent what they perceive as negative worldly influences on their faith and conduct. This is very similar to what the Jehovah's Witnesses do, but incorporating Jehovah's Witnesses as one and not Christianity as a whole. Accountability. Believers in true Christian associations may hold each other accountable for their actions and choices, ensuring that they remain faithful to their Christian principles. In summary, true Christian association generally refers to the idea of forming close relationships with fellow Christians who share the same faith and beliefs, as well as adhering to common practices and principles that reflect their Christian identity. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Apostate JW. I hope you enjoyed today's content, as I am sure many of you have been through a very similar situation when you were explaining to your Jehovah's Witness family members your decision to leave. As always, feel free to send any questions, comments, or concerns to apostatejw at gmail.com. Thank you.